we were never taught about balance. We were never taught that all of a sudden, you know, you're, the goal is to have a kid. Then what? Like you grow your career and you, by 40, should be making the most you're making ever, right? But what happens between 30 and 40? Oh, life. And all of a sudden, there's so many things that you need to learn how to manage and so many balls in the air. But that's a soft skill that you have to learn yourself, right? No one's going to teach you how to do that. I'm taking something that causes so much physical, emotional pain and using it as a tool to create beauty and move forward. And that is exactly what I did. Hello and welcome to another episode of Worked Up, the podcast where you learn to take what gets you worked up to find your passion, reach your potential, and write your own success story. Today is a very special episode for me because it's provided me the opportunity to reconnect with a very old friend. Hi. Yes. So awesome and fun. So on today's episode, we are graced with the presence of Jamie Kushner Bleacher, also known as Glitter Enthusiast. You may or may not have seen the amazing work that she does all over Instagram. And I'm going to let her tell her story from her own words because it's really incredible what you've done, Jamie. Thank you, Jacqueline. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. And this is just all very full circle and what a cool experience. So I own a company called Glitter Enthusiast. My elevator pitch, when people say, you know, what is that? I say, I paint with sterile IVF needles. I know it sounds weird, but let me tell you why. <laughs> I always, I, it's like always a question. I paint with them. <laughs> um, but basically I have been, so I went to Fashion Institute for college. And I, after that, I have, was a buyer for 16 years. So I know we don't seem old enough to say 16. Um, it's wild, was, by the way. It's wild. It's wild. I was a buyer for West Elm for a long time, cool. Amazon, and then I moved um, back down to Maryland. I met my husband in New York on Jade 8, but we were both from Potomac. We both went to the same high school a year apart and didn't know each other. Isn't that always how it works? And, you know, we moved home and we were like, we're going to have a baby in a second. Oh, watch. Don't. I'm too scared. We're going to get pregnant. We might catch it. Like, right, right. We're going to get pregnant so fast. So, like, why are we rushing things? But we wanted to move down, settle, and we kind of just started trying to have a kid. And spoiler alert, it took us three years um, to have our. I'll I'll give the big spoiler. In the beginning, we have wonderful five year old uh, twins. Congratulations. Thank you. So, I. I've been an artist forever, um, a creative forever, never good at the one, two, three, good at the one, five, three, seven, eights. Um, I like how you put that, by the way. (laughs) And I paint when I feel something. I always have. And whatever comes out, I don't care what comes out. It's, It's about the feeling coming out. So I paint when I'm nervous. I paint when I'm sad. I paint when I'm anxious. I paint when I'm really happy. And going through infertility, oh, that made me sad. <laughs> it was sad and lonely. And 
we lived in Rockville, Maryland and Rockville, Maryland, you don't have a kid. There's nothing to do yeah, and no friends to be made. And I felt like the world was just standing still and everyone was passing us by uh, while we were going through fertility treatments. I saw a sterile, I saw one of my IVF needles. They give you a bajillion needles when you go through IVF. Yeah. And I saw a needle one day and I was like, can I use some paintbrush? Can I? I was like, and it just dawned you. on you. You just decided just, to try it. Well, I'm, I'm so random. Like I'll go to Starbucks <laughs> and I'll go to Starbucks and get like, a, and steal a frat. Yes. <laughs> I hope they let me in after this. I'll steal like a Frappuccino top and put it on paint on, um, on a piece of paper and like drip ink through it and makes little circles. I'm just always like reusing. But that's also such ways. an interesting way to see the world. Cause to me that yeah. suggests that you, you see beyond the typical, which is a I beautiful do. thing. Thank you. Thank you. It is a curse as well. But <laughs> I as most things like, are blessing right. and a curse. Exactly. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah. So I, I was like, wouldn't it be this like metaphor if this looks good like that I'm taking something that causes so much physical, emotional pain and using it as a tool to create beauty and move forward. And that is exactly what I did. So I started painting with sterile IVF needles all the time. And I, that's how I became comfortable enough to kind of post about my journey and and start telling people why the needles, why, why I'm doing this. And get not only support, but this incredible group of women and men from all over the world who are coming out and local people that were like, I went through this, I went through this. And I didn't think anyone went through this because six years ago, it's not like, you know, I I feel like um, Chrissy Teigen made it it cool. (laughs) And it was before then. And it was just something people didn't talk about. And even my mom, she was like, I didn't know anyone who went through it. After I started posting about my fertility journey and why I paint the way that I paint, her friends contacted me and they were like, oh, I went through this 30 years ago. And it was- She never even knew it. And my mom never knew it. And these are her like really close friends. And isn't that strange? Because don't you think you would know it now if your close friend was going through any of it? A hundred percent. And I think that speaks to a few things. I think it speaks to fear of judgment, right? There were just faux pas things that you you don't want to put out there or you shouldn't put out there. And it also speaks to, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking of two words, catharsis and community. Mm -hmm. And, And it seems like what you've done through your Instagram account is allowed this conversation for a situation where someone, it's very easy to feel completely out of control. To create, mm-hmm. it sounds like some type of emotional catharsis for you and for the people you help. Exactly, exactly. That's what I felt, and I, I figured that was that's what I was doing, and it was helping not only to tell my own story, but as a medium for other people to tell their stories. So, if you have a piece of glitter enthusiast in your in your house, you know, someone would walk into your house and be like, "Oh, that's that's pretty art," and you're like. Oh, well, let me tell you the story. And this is how the conversation goes. They start talking about the needles and they start talking about 
their experience and the person that comes in is like, I don't like their fertility too. Like that conversation wouldn't have happened. Right. Right. Otherwise. So a, a huge part of my work is community and, and having a medium to tell the stories that seemed faux pas. If you had to articulate the mission of Glitter Enthusiast, what is it? I just wrote it down. Um, <laughs> I love that, by the way. <laughs> um, the mission is really to create, communicate, and support, I would say. Yeah. The, the mission is to find, to create beauty together and, and find ways to talk about things that are hard in a, in a beautiful and more surface level way. And then the mission is to feel a part of something. That community aspect. Absolutely. I know a lot of people who have gone through fertility challenges, I would mm -hmm. call it. And it is a very isolating experience. Yeah. And I can imagine how knowing you're not alone mm -hmm. is just a little bit of the push that you need to get mm -hmm. through it. And it's, it's totally true. And it's it really interesting because when I would sit in the, um, I would sit in the clinic, I went to Shady Grove Rockville and that is the busiest place. Mm -hmm. And you sit there and it's still lonely. You know, everyone's sitting there kind of to themselves on their phones, thinking, you know, at different stages of their journeys. And I was always like, can we talk? Well, why can't we, you know, I would, I would create conversation with people and I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so well. <laughs> <laughs> but if there's a common ground, something to talk about that's more tangible. And then I was, I was painting and I say every commission brings a new commission. I do about 60 to 65 commissions a year. Wow. And yeah. And I was, I was doing this while I was working full time um, as a buyer. And that was really interesting and it became really hard to do, especially yeah. with, yeah. with kids. Um, so that's why this year I, I, for a lot of reasons this year, I kind of went on my own, started flying. Congratulations. Thank you. It's so scary. It's scary and exciting. Yeah. It's all the feelings. I had a behavioral analyst on the podcast recently, and she said something that really resonated with me, which mm -hmm. was that fear and excitement feel very similar in the body. It does. Fight or flight. It's like... You're right. You're right. And it's, it's all of it. And you kind of need fear. I always need that anxiety or fear to drive me. Oh, that's I, interesting. I, I need it. I just like, I feel like my work isn't as purposeful or good if it doesn't have all of that passion in it. So and that's for the you, fear and excitement. Fuels the passion a little bit. Com completely. It does. Community fuels the passion. It's hard for me sometimes to find that myself. So you rely on others to find it. Yeah. Yeah. I know I shouldn't, but that's... No. First of all, there's no should or should not. I, oh, yeah. I always advocate that the first step is just knowing. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest. There's reasons sure. that there's accountability groups out there. It's hard, myself included, to hold your own feet to the fire. I mean, I yeah. have a girlfriend that even this month, we're doing Accountability October, where we want to read every night, we want to drink 120 ounces of water a day, and we need to move four times a week. We, I thought we had to drink 60. Now oh, we I don't double know. it. It's like uh, it's a gallon. But that's so that's so amazing that 
you have that accountability buddy. Accountability buddy. I love that. Accountability buddy. But it's it's hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard for you to hold yourself accountable to things, which is why people get coaches, which is why people find community, which is why people have accountability buddies. I love that term, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I feel like Instagram's my accountability buddy a little bit. Ooh. Like, I have to keep creating one because I love it. And I actually love social media. Like I love it. Um, I think it's so fun. I'm so random and I like just like to come up with the ideas. I'm not so great at like planning out posts. I'm really good at just like doing, doing things it. on the fly, whatever feels good today. Mm-hmm. And hopefully it'll like all look cohesive. And if not, like it's what I like. So right, right. maybe someone else out there will like, it. but it is, it does keep me accountable for showing up. That is such a great point. And frankly, is something I need to hear because I find social media to be very difficult. It is difficult. It is difficult. What do you like about it other than it being fun? I think, I mean, I like the community. I like that people are, I don't know if people are waiting to see what I post next, but they act like it. And it's, it, it makes me feel like, oh, I owe it to them to post again. Like I owe it to them to come up with something different. I owe it to myself to come up with something different now. And it, it, lets you keep being creative and creativity is important and and wanted and valued where I don't know about you but growing up in the 90s like creativity wasn't the most uh yes <laughs> important thing it's not an SAT score it's a, a way of thinking and I mm-hmm. actually saw something this morning that says you are you grow out of creativity oh so we're taught to grow out of it creativity, something for children. You know, what's interesting about that is my, my son's in a turning threes program and I know it's adorable. And I get all these really cute pictures of him standing at an easel and him finger painting and him drawing and him gluing things. And I think about when I was growing up, I was on dance team. I was a palm, which only my Maryland people will know. Um, (laughs) And I I did choir. I always had this really artistic side to me. And then I went to college and it just stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And either you're like a pro at it and you get a scholarship for it or. You, what do you think that's about? You, you know what? I don't know. Because I think that as you get older, you become more confident in your creativity. You, if If you hone into it and the maturity makes you a better artist, dancer, whatever it is. And you also become more exploratory to go out and understand not just what's in my bubble, but what are, what are the sculpture people doing? What are the, what are the ceramicists doing? What, you know, what are the modern dancers doing, et cetera. So you're, you have the desire to, to seek out more. So when it's shut down in college, because that's just like, it's not at your fingertips. I mean, that sucks. Well, and there's so much literature and research out there about how different ways of thinking promote creative problem solving. And that is a form Mm. of creativity, right? So, you know, I'm sitting here right now looking at a piano, right? I'm not a great piano player, but even the five minutes that I can sit down and mess around on the keys, it makes me feel better. And I think it goes back to what you're saying about passion 
this is mm-hmm. going to seem like a really weird tangent, but have you ever watched the great British, British baking show? No, but I need to. Everyone loves it. Okay. First of all, I'm an Anglophile. I love all things England. I lived in London for a year. It was amazing. Okay. If you have not watched the show, it I is like a, well, there you go. It is a <laughs> British baking competition. First of all, so different than American shows because it's so much less competitive. They all help each other. But what strikes me and my husband, every time we watch it, they all have so many hobbies. So they go into these deep dives of the people who are contestants on the show and they'll be like, Nigel, when he's not making a Swiss roll, you know, creates or collects vintage waistcoats, like these things that I'm like, how do people have all these time for these hobbies? And I think talking to you, I'm making the connection of to have a whole life, to be a whole person, to really be fueled by passion, you need to do things that really promote that I want to say creativity, but maybe a hobby is not creative. Just promote that sense of being. I don't know if that's the yeah, right it's word. Like a fullness. It's mm-hmm. a fullness. That's a great word. And what strikes me is you started glitter enthusiast as a hobby. Yes, and what's interesting now is like I'm like not allowing myself to have a hobby because I'm like that's my like I'm I'm like I don't have time for something else. So that's but this is work now. So I feel like Instagram might be my hobby. There you go. But it sounds like what you really need is to make sure you protect your passion. And what I mean by that is I know a lot of people, and I don't say this to scare you, who decide to do their passion full time. Yeah. And you have to be very intentional about it not becoming a job. Yep. Even though it's it's a source of income. (laughs) It's true. And I'm dealing with that now. Actually, it's like right on the nose. So I do try to do one commission a week, really. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's it ebbs and flows, but I try to do paintings in between mm. and try to do like just try things out. Colors that never really like making me feel good right now. I have to keep creative, otherwise my art's all gonna look the same. Yeah. And yeah. I'm gonna get frustrated by it. So if I'm evolving as an artist while I'm selling myself as the current artist I am, I need to, you know, mix it up. Well, what you're talking to is the necessity for evolution and to not be static. Oh, how did we not talk like five years ago? (laughs) (laughs) Anytime you know where to find me, Jamie. (laughs) This is so helpful. Well, but it's Uh, true. If you're not growing, what are you doing? Right. Right. And that's when I think people feel stunted. Right. Right. It's because they're not evolving. They're not learning. They're not growing. They're not integrating. And you said something really beautiful earlier, which was that you paint when you feel something. Mm-hmm. And so especially for someone like you, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, so tell me if I'm mm-hmm. off base. It, it sounds like if your art isn't reflective of your current state, of your current emotion, that it's inauthentic in a way. It's totally true. It's totally true. And that's why I I paint in the middle of commissions because Mm. my commissions are set in stone of what they should really look like. Some some clients are like, I want a purple on the the top corner of this with silver on the bottom. And micromanaging. And that's, uh, yeah. And it's, it's good because 
gets me out of my comfort zone actually sometimes because I know I have to do something different, mm-hmm. but also it is a little stunting sometimes. And I, I have a lot of clients that are like, you're the artist. So I'm like, um, which do you prefer? In, which do I prefer? I think both. I need both. Ooh, what's that about? Because, because if I just like go off and do my goofy own thing, then what's my main style as an artist? Mm. Um, and what's the, how do I also keep the brand? Like flexible I, structure. Yeah. I love right. that you just said that because I really advocate for something called flexible structure, which is yeah, enough, enough structure to be consistent, whether it's mm-hmm. time management, whether it's branding, whether it's art, enough structure yeah. that you have a style, you have a voice, you have a message and you're sticking to it, but allow for flexibility because life ebbs and flows, right? And right. you need to be able to pivot when the inevitable change comes down the way. Totally. And going off on my own really, I think, made me be more structured in my art, made me, you know, do invoicing a certain day, really like the business side of this, that the not fun side of this, that I am starting to find it to be fun because it's like growing something. It's really cool. Um, And I also have, I have two kids and they both have special needs. And I don't know if you know much about that, but but both of my boys were diagnosed. This is a, another reason I went off on my own. Both mm-hmm. boys were diagnosed with something called MEPAN um, okay. disorder, which is a mitochondrial disorder. Eight people in the U.S. have, and I have two of them. Eight? And eight. And it took us a wow. long time to, to figure it out. We thought that Bennett had, I have Bennett and Ethan. Bennett uses a wheelchair, um, and he uses a walker, and he's doing great. He's superstar. And Ethan is doing great. He's a superstar and he's a star. And that's it. But they have the same exact disorder. It's like manifests totally differently. It's very bizarre. Wow. With that, I need to have all this other structure. And yeah. and the art makes me feel like like the there's a lot of doctor's appointments. There's a lot of worry. And the art just like, I feel through it. And I catharsis. love it. It's catharsis. It, yeah, it just like feels so good. So I'm so happy that I have that in place even before all of this nonsense. And that was the reason that I was in But the boys are doing great. And they get mommy all the time when they're home. And when they're at school, mommy paints. And it's just the best. It, it's a really good balance. It's making, it's just, I should have done it a long time ago. Isn't it interesting that it's all about the balance? And that the balance and having the outlet and having that structure has allowed you that fullness Yeah. to use that word that you, you said before. And so I'm curious, being that, you know, this has now become your full-time job. You worked in corporate before buying for Mm -hmm. West Elm and Amazon, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Now you are balancing your passion as your career. And balancing, mm-hmm. you know, challenges that a lot of parents don't necessarily face. Mm-hmm. How do you manage all of that? I take Wednesdays off. Perfect. That's how I manage it. That's great. <laughs> if that makes sense, it's it does. Know, I what watch I like TLC. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> I love Sister Us. Whatever, like makes me feel good. I, 
roam the halls of Target. I do whatever I need. I work out whatever to just Wednesdays. I just... Is that Jamie time? That is Jamie time. It really is. And it's important. And we were never taught about balance growing up. That was not a thing. No. What is I that? I feel like it's gym word. Like, <laughs> it's like, I'm not good at sports. So I don't know about any of that. But like, but it, no, we were never taught about balance. We were never taught that all of a sudden, you know, you're, the goal is to have a kid. Then what? Like you grow your career and you, by 40, should be making the most you're making ever, right? Yes. But what happens between 30 and 40? Oh, life. And all of a sudden, there's so many things that you need to learn how to manage and so many balls in the air. But no one taught, that's a soft skill that is really, you have to learn yourself, right? No one's going to teach you how to do that. What's resonating with me about what you're saying is this focus on achievement or success being uh-huh. like a very small defined box in the way yeah. that we were taught. And and for me, it was very much- and how these we were, were brought up. Totally. And Dr. Lawyer Banker, those were my options. And I look back and I think- you know, everything was very prescribed. You get your license at 16, then you apply for college, then you go for college, then you get the internship, then you get the job, then you move to New York City, and then you all of a sudden don't have a next step. And it shifts from the professional to personal. And what I hear in you saying, or at least what's resonating with me, is that no one gave me a blueprint for what that personal looks like other than you get married and have kids. But then what? Exactly. And then exactly. when things don't happen exactly as you expect them to, right, it can feel yeah. very out of control. And lonely. And lonely. And that goes yeah. back to the idea of community. Yes. Exactly. 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 Oh, I could talk to you every day. This is... It's, it, Let me know. It's totally Happy true. to. You know my number. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's totally true though. And like also growing up, I felt... You know, I was fine at school, but I excel. I was a showstopper. I, I excelled at like the creative stuff, and yeah. I always felt a little dumb. Interesting. And I always did. I always did. Just so interesting I, because I think back. I mean, I've known you since what I was ten. We went to forever. summer camp together, right? Yeah, forever. I mean, I've always thought of you as intelligent. Oh, that's so kind. I've always, and I still feel a little dumb. Like, I still feel like that. I don't know. But also these people that are the overachievers, they're the ones like the, the, there's so many people like that who we've grown up with actually, who have then commissioned art and been like, this is like, this is something I'm gravitating towards right now, which I'm like, for me, like that is, that's, it's so cool to me because no one is black and white. Everyone has this full spectrum. I think you just hit the nail on the head. So one of the things I pound the table about is you can't put me in a box. (laughs) Like I can be multiple things at one time. And I think you are totally hitting the nail on the head, which is that people are shades of gray. Yes. A hundred percent. But what do you think that self-doubt is about? I don't know, but it drives me. It drives me. What about it drives you? To innovate. It drives me to just say, if this is supposed to be black and white, I'm going to be gray and be a little different. So is and it the being different that drives you? 
I think so. It, or is yeah. it the screw you? So. I'm, I'm going to show you. I think it's all of it. I think that I'm never going to be in that box and I don't feel comfortable in that box. And that's not like, and uh, that's no fun to me. And I, I don't know. And then I just get extra. <laughs> extra. <laughs> extra. Extra by, by painting with IVF needles. <laughs> just And just, look how amazing that's been for so many people. Thank you. And right? I actually, and, and now I get, I know it sounds like weird, but I get um, people's unused IVF needles in the mail a lot. Um, I'll get like three packages of it this uh, I wonder week. what the mailman my thinks. Husband, oh my God. Well, my husband's like, needles are here again. The mailman <laughs> must just think I'm like a, a, a dealer of some capacity. But, but I, I am. I'm a dealer of joy. So I paint for other people's <laughs> other people's other people's nurseries with their yeah. IVF needles. And what's really cool is um, this has happened now five times that I've had husbands reach out and steal their IVF needles from their wife that were never used. And I've created paintings as their push presents, their supposed push presents. And that to me is just That's beautiful. The freaking coolest. It's so cool. It's so cool to like just have a husband or a partner be like, my wife's been talking about this, but I want to surprise her. And it's just like this big secret. And then it's super cool. I swear this is the theme of this entire conversation, but every all roads are leading back to community and support. Yes, right? exactly. All roads yeah. are leading back to knowing that whatever you're going through, whether it be infertility, whether it be something else, whatever challenge you might face, that you're not alone. And that yeah, people are there for you. And it sounds yeah. like your paintings really serve as that type of reminder on somebody's wall that yeah. they can always look at it and say, you know what? I'm not alone. Yeah, Other people exactly. have gone through this. Exactly. Exactly. We all, and, and a way to tell the story to your children. You know, I tell Ethan and Bennett, like, <laughs> they think everyone paints with needles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> How old, how old are they now? They're five. They're five. And I tell people it's a way to tell their story. This is, you know, mommy had something that she couldn't control. Mommy had, mommy always wanted to be a mommy. And you were always a twinkle in the eye. And it was kind of a, a windy, twisty journey. You know, it, it depends how I tell them. They love to hear this. And, you know, mommy took the creative way of having a baby and and had you in a creative way and when i put the the ink on on the canvas and put the needle on it and and all of a sudden you know it's the ink is hard to control it's this living metaphor that whatever's going to come out it's going to be beautiful if it's beautiful you know if it's beautiful to the public or not whatever but to me it's beautiful because I problem solved in a creative way. And and I, I think that's that's always like the forefront of glitter enthusiast. What a beautiful metaphor. You can't control where the paint goes. It's gonna fall where it falls and it's gonna be beautiful. Yeah, and it'll take time or it won't. I keep going back to all the C words. I feel like this episode could be called what? the C word. <laughs> but it's community, creativity, catharsis, control. It's, it's all these things over said, and over. 
Yes. Yes. I love that metaphor. Yeah. Because one of the things I talk with my clients about all the time is what can you actually control? Yeah. And usually it's not much. Yeah. The only thing you can control is what you do, what you say, the actions you take, and how you think. Who you're with. Yep. And so it really sounds like you've channeled that passion into something beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. I want to rapid fire two questions to you. The first is what are the most important lessons that you've learned on this journey? Um, my gut is the right thing to do. Ooh. I like that. Um, trust yourself and network. Make everyone, you know, I, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by very intelligent well-rounded, beautiful people who know things that I don't know. And I want friends who are deep and meaningful. I want people I work with who are deep and meaningful. I want I want to learn from people all the time. I love that. Because isn't that, again, it goes into that idea of evolution. If we're going to evolve and grow and learn, you need to do that from other people. Or you need to be exactly. creative enough to take the control mm-hmm. of being out, being in, in, in seeking ways yeah. to evolve. And Instagram, I mean, like Instagram, there's all these other artists that I could sit on there and be like, and sometimes I do sit on there like, oh, I'm not doing enough. Wow. That looks really good that they did. Wow. That was really creative that they, what they did. And uh, why didn't I think of that first or whatever it is. And I try to stop and say, what am I learning from them right now? And try to take something to learn, something tangible. Tangible. (laughs) That's another C word, criticism. Criticism. So stopping the self-criticism and it's true. I know some C words, girl. All right. Next question. And take this however you will. What do you know now that you wish you knew back then? There's not one way to achieve. I could, you know, go on a million tangents about that. And there's an, and six things doesn't mean one thing, which is, you know, a spectrum of what we've been talking about, but it is a, it is a, a spectrum. What going back to the fact that I never felt totally smart in high school I always felt, I did always, and my parents reinforced this, that I was smart in a different way. And I I spoke to people differently than some of these kids that went to Harvard. Like I, I judged or schmoozed or whatever it is to, to achieve yeah, and not in the one, two, three way, way everyone else did. It fits so perfectly with everything we've been talking about that when you're raised with a certain small myopic view of what success looks like, it's very limiting. Yeah. When the reality is success is individual. Yes. Like one thing I feel like I was never taught, which again, because I don't think my parents were taught it, right? Yeah. Is that not only is success unique to you and what you want it to look like, but that it evolves over time. Mm-hmm. 
And what I thought success looked like at 22 is not what I think success looks like at 35. And it's not going to be what I think success will look like at 50 and 60 and 70. And to your earlier point about evolution, we evolve as people. Why wouldn't what we want and our litmus test, our metrics card, our view of success change as well? Yeah. And it's, and it is interesting, you know, teaching a a child who is, he, he uses a wheelchair for long distances, mitochondrial diseases are the mitochondria cell of the body. So mitochondrial diseases make you tired basically. Yeah. Um, so he has trouble walking down a block basically, but that is a, you know, when we talk about kids, we talk about learning to run. We talk about, oh, okay, well, they're running now. Like, that's the success metric, right? So I, it's my responsibility as a parent of two special needs children to teach them all the different ways you can be successful and, and the, the ways that aren't written in paper and, and how to make relationships, how to, how to just put joy out to the world and let it come back to you. You know, I think that those are all the things I talk to them about. And it sounds like it all goes back to perspective too. Mm-hmm. Just because something doesn't look how you think it should look, or just yeah. because something doesn't go the way you think it should go, doesn't mean it's not beautiful and doesn't mean it's not perfect and doesn't mean it's not right. <laughs> just like your painting and the paint on the canvas. Yes. Yeah. Jamie, this has been such a fun conversation. It really has so cool. everybody who wants to follow along with you on Instagram, which we need to talk about, by the way, or wants to order a commission from you. How can they get in touch? Yeah. So find us at Glitter Enthusiast Everywhere. There is no glitter in the arts. Glitter is a state of mind. Um, Ooh. And, you know, it, people glitter, glitter, and glitter makes me happy and my art should make others happy. So glitter enthusiast, glitter enthusiast.com. You can find us on Instagram. You could find us on TikTok. You can find, which is a whole, that's really hard. Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, our website. And, um, and then we sell through Oliver Gall, which is a big, um, art company based out of Miami. So we're on Amazon. We're on, um, Wayfair, we're all all of the big overstock, all of the big stores. And yeah. That's awesome. I am so thrilled to see all of your success. I love when good Thanks, things definitely. happen to good people. And it's really remarkable and a sign of real strength and perseverance to me that you've taken something that can be seen as a challenge and turned it into something that's just not only physically beautiful, but beautiful in terms of what it represents and the community that you've created. So thank you, Jacqueline. Of course. I'm so happy to reconnect. Me too. And thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Worked Up. Please don't forget to follow, like, and write a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy your shows. And please follow along with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Jacqueline Beck Consulting or on LinkedIn at Jacqueline Beck Consulting. See you next time.